Welcome to Tom Talks, everyone. I'm your host, Tom Carroll, and I'm really excited for this week's episode. It's something I've been wanting to do for a little bit of time now. I've been wanting to have a variety of different Tom Carrolls on the podcast. Now, as a quick aside, when I first got Facebook, one of the first things I did was create a Facebook group called Tom Carroll United. And I friend requested about 250 or so Tom Carrolls, and about 100 accepted me. And as they accepted me, one by one, I would invite them into this Facebook group called Tom Carroll United. So there's about 100 or so of them in this group on Facebook, and here and there, I'll randomly get a Tom Carroll accepted your friend request thing, you know, 10 years later, or however many years it's been, and I'll invite them to the group. And it's just a fun thing. There's some goofy posts in there from when it first started, and every now and then, people bring it up on Facebook and comments on pictures and stuff, and different Tom Carrolls and stuff have commented on my statuses or pictures in the past, and it's just a funny thing on Facebook to have, and it's something I've really enjoyed over the past few years. It's always funny when a random Tom Carroll will chime in on one of those dumb statuses I throw up. So, I want to talk to a different Tom Carroll every few weeks here, and we'll call it Meet a Tom Carroll. So, for the inaugural Meet a Tom Carroll, we have on the world famous Santa Tom. There are over 1,000 Tom Carrolls in the United States alone. Let's get to know some of them. Meet a Tom Carroll on Tom Talks. Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Tom. All right, Santa Tom. So, when did you start, I don't know, impersonating Santa Claus? Dressing up as Santa Claus? I, I don't know the right way to describe it. How, how do we start as a Santa? Yeah, as just a Santa. Okay. Yeah, just a Santa. Yeah, you, you start becoming Santa. You know, it's one of those things where you believe in Santa, you you don't believe in Santa, you look like Santa, you become Santa. Um, <laughs> so it's not really by choice. Well, it's, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, took the kids to the mall to get Santa Claus picture done, and, you know, Santa, the Santa on the set looked at me and said, you know, when, when we're done here, wait a second. And I said, okay. So I waited a second. He goes, have you ever thought about being a Santa? No, not really. What is this like a fat joke or something? (laughs) And uh, he said, no, you know, you've, you've got the look, you know, you've got the beard. Of course it's the wrong color because it's brown, but he said, he gave me his business card and said, when you, or if you decide that you ever want to be a Santa, please give me a call and uh, we'll see what we can work out. Wow. It was that easy. So is there like a Santa coalition, a Santa group that you joined is there a santa's yeah, union there, or there, there are several santa groups uh in virginia i belong to the virginia santa's group uh we're pretty informal no yearly dues no you know you don't have to, you don't have to have a beard you can have a beard it doesn't matter uh we're pretty open to anybody who is an impersonator or or whatever you want to call it <laughs> the impersonators uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry i offended you by calling oh, it an no, impersonator. No, 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 that's, that's okay and, and the reason i say that is basically it's it's kind of funny because the first couple of times you put on the suit you feel kind of funny and you feel kind of out of place um but these days i have people walk up to me and ask me if i play santa 
<laughs> and I tell them, no, I become Santa. <laughs> you you, you kind of get a, a personality shift. And I know it sounds a little twisted, <laughs> but really we all try to, at least for the, the greater majority, you know, there are the odd men out that are in it just for the money and that kind of thing. Uh, but for the, the greater majority of them, uh, the guys are trying to do something good. It's, it's, it's almost a calling for most of the guys. Oh, wow. Uh, once you've tried it, it's really hard to give up. Uh, you know, like I said, the, the Virginia Santa is a group, probably about 60 guys. We get together for lunch two or three times a year. Um, we do a, a weekend out in Buchanan, Virginia, where we do education and we swap stories and, you know, cause there are some, some situations that you can get into as a Santa that, uh, you want to make sure you say the right thing at the right time that you don't make promises you can't keep. Um, you know, there, there is a, a Santa Claus oath that we all try to live by. Uh, you know, we realize we're, we're, we're not the man that lives at the North pole and drives flying. <laughs> Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you realized that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, there, are people, there are probably some people who don't. Yeah. Uh, but, we, but we all try to do the good we can do where we can do it. Well, so a few things that I want to unpack there, the oath and the different situations that you can get caught in. Let's start with the oath. What is the Santa oath that you have to take? Well, you you don't really take it. You you take it to yourself. I mean, there are ceremonies, of course, where you can go and take the Santa oath, and it's you know <laughs> two or three hundred guys taking it all at the same time. It's basically it basically says that uh, you realize that the only gift you can give is of yourself, and that you try to be well versed in the knowledge of Santa. That you listen to children's dreams, you pay attention to them, and you give them an adult that listens. Oh, well, that's really easy. It's very simple. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like, doesn't it? I I was expecting it to be much more complicated, but no, that's like, I feel like that's a very clean, easy, just mantra to live by as a Santa Claus. It it really is. Um, You know, there is a, there are a couple of websites that you can go out and see and, you know, see what the the Santa Claus oath is. Um, You know, I didn't give you a verbatim. I gave you kind of the reader's digest condensed. Um, But, you know, that's, that's what it boils down to. So what are these different situations that you can kind of get into that you guys all talk out at these conventions or these meetups? Okay, if you've got a child whose parents are going through a divorce Mm -hmm. or one parent that's died, uh, a lot of us are involved in in hospice care uh, where we'll go out to a family that that maybe has a member that's not going to make it to the next Christmas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. we do a lot of, of both post and, and pre-deployment stuff for the military. There's a there's a group called Santa America, which I also belong to. Uh, we do a lot of military support. We do a lot of autistic children support. Um, we try to provide a, you know, because children that have autism don't wait in line well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really shouldn't have to. Right. So we, we try to provide them with, with a quiet place where they can come and visit Santa, you know, so they can get the same experience that, that, I hate to say a regular kid, but for lack of a better term, that you know a regular kid can get. Um, Santa can be pretty much overstimulating. You know, a lot of us are pretty big guys. Uh, we wear a lot of red, a lot of white. We're we're pretty shocking when we show up. Mm-hmm. So we try to calm that down for, you know, autistic uh, Asperger syndrome, that that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, we talk a lot about that. We talk about, you know, gosh, you know, have you gotten the list that are seven billion things? <laughs> uh, 
you know, I've had a couple of kids this year that it's like, and I want to this and I want to this. And, I, and it's like, okay, give me your top three. <laughs> and I want, and they just go down the list. And it's like, okay, you, basically you just want me to go down the aisles at Toys R Us and pick up one of each. <laughs> <You know? laughs> do you, do you give the kids shit sometimes? You're like, oh, someone's got a long Christmas list this year. Yeah, or something. Yeah, we, we, yeah, I don't give the kids a hard time very often. I give the teenagers a hard time quite frequently just because <laughs> most of them are being good sports and going along with a you know younger brother, younger sister. Yeah. So I don't, to, I don't want to ignore them. I want them to realize that, you know, yeah, they're they're going to go. They're going to have some fun. Santa's going to pick on them a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of give the adults a hard time occasionally. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, and the funny thing is, is, is basically when you're Santa, they can't give you a hard time back. <laughs> right, because you're Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the ultimate immunity. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, what does a year look like for Santa? Because I imagine December's really busy, and maybe like from Black Friday through Christmas Day is really busy, but are you doing events year-round? Um, a lot of us do, and I've done a couple of events. You know, July 25th, you, you end up doing Christmas okay. in July. So you end up doing at least one event there. Uh, like I said, you do pre-deployment, you do post-deployment. Um, let's face it. I've got long white hair and a long white beard. People recognize <laughs> me as Santa pretty much everywhere I go. Uh, you know, my wife and I go to Disney world and, and we get <laughs> introduced in, in the parks as Mr. And Mrs. Claude, <laughs> which, which is fine. I have no problem with that. And, and awesome. Disney's been Disney's been really patient about it. And, the, you know, you memorize all this stuff. You know the eight reindeer. You know that, well, actually, you know the 11 reindeer that kids ask about most. You know the names of the popular elves. You know all this stuff. And then you walk into Disney and a small child walks up to you with an autograph book and says, Santa, can you sign my autograph book? And you suddenly go, oh, my gosh, I have no idea how to sign Santa's name. <laughs> so you kind of fake it the first couple of times and you go, Buy a you know a calligraphy pen and practice for a while and go okay I got this. <laughs> and that's basically the kind of things we warn each other about. It's like hey I got caught looking for a Santa autograph and most of them are like oh my gosh I never thought about that <laughs> you know so we all sit down it's like yeah I did it this way and they're like well I don't think you know I don't think I can do it that way well you know as long as you're close we're good. <laughs> we're all very different individuals. So all of um, the Santa Clauses in Virginia are signing autographs at least the same way. <laughs> well. <laughs> At least as close as we can get. <laughs> Do you sign it as Saint Nick, Saint Nicholas? Do you sign Nicholas Claus? What What's the Santa Claus I, I, sign as? I, I, just, I just sign. I sign. Be good, Santa. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's simple. It's quick. It's it's you know it leaves them open. Uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of kids. A lot of kids don't connect Saint Nicholas and Santa Claus. Oh really? A lot of kids. A lot of kids do, but I'm surprised at the number that that don't. You know, they don't realize the connection there. Uh, of course, you know, as, as Santa's, we're all pretty aware of it. Um, and, and actually, we've, we've had a couple of classes on, on you know, how St. Nicholas became Santa Claus. And it's 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 interesting. You know, we, we do a lot of classes. We do. I mean, la the last year we went to Branson, right? there were 800 Mr. and Mrs. Clauses there. Wow. Shani and I taught a class on how to visit... Um, seniors homes where there are folks that are suffering from Alzheimer's, you know, what to ask, what not to ask. Um, you know, they, they do better one-on-one. -on -one. They do better in small groups. They do better with somebody who's, who's not the big loud ho, ho, ho coming through the door. Mm -hmm. You know, they do better with a, with a quieter. A subtle clause. Yes, exactly. 
So we taught that class. After that, we went to a class on reindeer 101. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what's the difference between regular, regular deer and reindeer other than the fact that, you know, regular deer don't fly? Um, and, and only the ancient reindeer can fly, not the new, newfangled ones. Um, oh, interesting. You know, yeah, reindeer is basically just another name for caribou. Wow. So, would you consider yourself to be one of the more well-versed Santa Clauses? Santa Clauses? That feels like a weird thing to say, plural. Uh, wow. Well, yeah, it is. It's Santas, kind of like I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, I would like to think so, but it's one of those kind of things where about the time I begin to think, yeah, I know everything and I know what I'm doing. And, and then I prove to myself that, nope, not even close yet. Um, <laughs> There's some real veteran Santa Clauses out there. there and you're like, I, I, well, I've been doing it since what, 1997. Okay. So, so that's quite some time. 19th year. There are some guys like the, the, the uh, legendary Santa in Virginia uh, did Thalmeyers and, and uh, you know, the, the big department stores downtown. He was in the chair for 47 years. Wow. You know, now he was he was a theatrically bearded Santa, and he was the first of the Santas that was wired so that you could hear him. He carried, you know, he had a mic with him all the time. <laughs> uh, some of the Santas these days you would use what they call queuing systems, where Mrs. Claus is talking to the kids and she gets their name so that when Santa turns around, he knows the children's names. So it's it's kind of magical to see the look on their face of, oh my God, how did Santa know my name and <laughs> name and what I'm doing and you know where I live? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> And the really fun part is when the parents are caught flat-footed. Oh, because they, yeah, because they get confused. You know his name? <laughs> That's funny. So, do you do Santa Claus activities with your wife? She's a tag team with you. Yeah, she she used to just come along with me and and handle traffic control. And uh, about five years ago, she decided she was going to start being Mrs. Claus. <laughs> so she does a lot of events with me. She does a lot of events on her own. Uh, she goes to libraries and, and reads, you know, Night Before Christmas and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Six White Bonzers, you know, all the all the the classic and, and somewhat new uh, Santa Claus stories. Uh, she does. She's a she, she's a certified dementia practitioner. So I, I oh, wow. kind of follow her lead when we go into some place where there are folks, sell, you know, that are suffering from Alzheimer's. Um, so you guys are a really qualified team of Mr. and Mrs. Claus to head into a senior citizen home. We we try to be, yes. Yeah. You know, and, and do I know everything? No. <laughs> <laughs> do I wish I did? Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. Uh <laughs> both of us are pretty quick on our feet. You know, if, if you can ad lib, uh you've you've got a, a good shot at doing all right. Um if if you're somebody that's gotta do something by rote, you're sunk. <laughs> What's the average age of a Santa Claus? Well, let's see. They did that in a survey last year, I think. And I think the average age is 63 and a half. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of guys that are in their 20s and early 30s that are theatrically bearded Santas that, that do very well. So I assume um, they have to dye their beards. Uh, or well, maybe they, they don't. I mean, that's that's super white to be 20-something, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. There are there are theatrically bearded or, or fake bearded, whatever you want to call them. I prefer to call them theatrically bearded. Oh, okay. Bearded. So that's what you meant by theatrically bearded. Yeah. I've been just thinking it <laughs> means very just flowing beard. I didn't, <laughs> that's, oh, no, they, I didn't know no, that they, that they, meant they, like a fake beard. Yeah. No, they've, they've normally spent $1,500 to $2,000 on a yak hair beard. Wow. Uh, they're gorgeous. They last a season, maybe two seasons, and then need to be replaced or rebuilt. 
uh, us real bearded Santas, you know, it just kind of grows wild on the chin and, and you keep it in line and, you know, you use, use a lot of product to make it white and, and to keep it in line and, you know, uh, make it nice and round and full and, you know, look like all the, the cartoon Santas. Uh, <laughs> Yak hair, the best type. Yak hair seems to be the preferred hair. Yes. Cause it's thick, it's long. It's, it's, it looks right. It's white. I mean, it's, it's white, white, white. Um, it looks good, you know, and there, of course, you know, there's the big fight every year between the theatrically bearded and the real bearded Santas. Uh, there are groups of, of both that the other cannot belong to. Uh, I, I belong to, I belong to IBRBS. It's the International Brotherhood of Real Bearded Santas. <laughs> the, the advantage to that is we all pool our, our insurance needs. And so we get pretty good deals wow. on, on performance insurance. That's awesome. Yeah. Wait, so and, how many different Santa Claus unions are you in? Uh, well, it's not really a union. It's it's a... I guess groups yeah, groups be a better word. Uh, I belong to, to the Colonial Santas, with, which is the uh, International Brotherhood of Real Bearded Santas in Virginia. I belong to the Virginia Santas, which is both theatrically bearded and real bearded Santas, and we just kind of hang out and have fun together. Um, I used to belong to Forbes. I didn't renew in that because that's pretty much just for West Coast Santas these days. Um, so really, uh, you know, I'd consider myself belonging to two. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. I just felt like we had already named a bunch of them or maybe you had just, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how many Santa clubs is this guy in? I, I respect it. Yeah. There, there are a bunch. Well, you figure there are about 11,000 guys in the U S working as Santa. Wow. And some of them live the life. I mean, they, they keep their house decorated for Christmas year round. They wear red. They, you know, <laughs> they have the the real beard. They they look the part all the time. Uh, the advantage to a theatrical beard is is you can take it off, so you can you can take off the personality. When you're a real bearded Santa, people recognize you as Santa no matter where you go. So it kind of always keeps you on your best behavior. You can't go down <laughs> anyway, flipping people off and cutting off cars and doing horrible things. Um, <laughs> I, was, I always kind of joke that, yeah, being, being Santa keeps me off the streets and out of trouble. You know. So. <laughs> Do you ever have a group of small people following you around to help you make toys? <laughs> I, have, I have worked with, with several small people, yes. <laughs> Is that the correct term these days? Small I, people. I think, call, I think they call themselves little people. Little people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I know that it it's like kind of a sliding scale as to what they like to be yeah. called. So okay, little people. Yeah, I think it's I think it's anybody four foot nine or under. Okay. Do you carry around a sack of toys at all times? Um. I usually well I I carry either coins that say you know caught being good by Santa. Or I carry, you know, a business card size thing that says "caught being good by Santa." And if you, if you see somebody who recognizes you as Santa and you, you know, are, are not signing or or maybe signing an autograph for him, you can give them a card and it makes them feel good and gives them something that they can put in their souvenir book. Um, and you know, these days with you know the card companies and that kind of thing, you can order fifteen hundred cards like that for for nothing, you know, for ten bucks or less. Um, and it, it's fun to see the the kids have a good time and. You know, they, they, they see the card, makes them feel good, makes you feel good giving them something. You know, their parents go bananas about it for a couple of days. And, and uh, it's it's not a bad thing to have something to, to give them, you know, just a little just a little trinket. Yeah, I mean, it makes people feel good. Yeah, I've had people walk up to me, like we were at Disney one time, and dad walked up to me and said, you know, my, my two kids are there. 
they think you're Santa Claus. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> said, I'm, I'm sorry. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> They're right. <laughs> and I handed him a couple of candy canes that I just happened to have in my pocket. <laughs> he was like, oh, my God, you are. And he walked back to his kids and had a candy cane and sat down and was, I think, somewhat flabbergasted. <laughs> That is incredible. It's it's a it's a fun hobby. You know, one of the one of the guys was quoted as saying there are a couple of Santa Claus movies out. You know, the, one of them is called They Wore the Red Suit, which is pretty good. Uh, there's another one called I Am Santa, and I've I've never seen that one, so I can't comment one way or the other. I've heard good things about it. I've heard bad things about it. Um, you know, there there are unfortunately some bad Santas in the world. The rest of us are all trying to make up for those guys. Um, you know, Santa, like mall Santas, have a, an undeservedly bad reputation of being drunkards. You know, um, <laughs> right? And probably that's probably left over from the 1940s, 1950s. Uh, we're a lot more professional these days than than they were in the 40s and 50s. You can't just hire somebody off the street and get a, a decent Santa. Uh, most of us have been to school. We've been to classes. We've we've got FBI background checks. We carry not only performers insurance, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, any molestation insurance, because there are people who will try to sue you for things. Uh, I have understandings with all my photographers that you don't take a picture unless you can see both of my hands. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's one of the, and I hate to say it, but that's one of the reasons the Santa's wear gloves. It makes them really easy to see in pictures. Um, it just, you know, it keeps the legalities easier. Absolutely. Now that movie, that movie Bad Santa can't be real popular in the Santa community. No, most of the Santas that I don't have have, have never even seen the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it once just to say I did, and it was like, oh no, this is this is really oh this is sucky. <laughs> so I, I I couldn't tell you how how it ends. I watched probably twenty minutes of it and turned it off. Yeah, I'll be honest, I've never seen it. Oh, okay. Oh, good. <laughs> I just know that it's not a good look for Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. We have covered the Santa Claus business. So let's talk about the fact that you and I are Facebook friends. What did you think when you got a Facebook friend request from someone else named Tom Carroll? I thought it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny. I, I work for a company that has, I think, six Tom Carrolls. And just to make things conv- you know, even more confusing, we also have a Tim Carroll. Wow. So I get a lot of email that I probably shouldn't see. <laughs> um, it's, you know, so find the other Tom Carroll's is just kind of a, kind of a fun thing that we do. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised there are as many of us as there are. There's so many Tom Carroll's. So where oh, I yeah. work, there's three just at the ESPN facility that I work at in Bristol, oh Connecticut. And there's wow. like seven in the Disney Corporation altogether. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so my corp login has the number six next to it. <laughs> Very good. Well, I, I seem to have been one of the first ones, so I'm I'm actually Tom Dot Carroll, you know, on, on my emails. Um, but we have a Thomas, we have a Thomas Max, we have a Thomas J, and then we have a, a Timothy Max. So <laughs> my brother is also named Tim Carroll. Oh really? Yeah. So you know, I deal with being called the wrong Tom Carroll or my brother all the time. I can believe that. <laughs> now, did you go ahead and friend request other Tom Carrolls after you received my Tom Carroll friend request? Or were you like, yes, oh. I, have. I, I think I've got maybe 15 Tom Carroll friends <laughs> on, on Facebook. Are you still in the Facebook group that I created? 
I think so. Yes. <laughs> Cause I, I see your stuff. I see some stuff from the other guys. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't see everything. Uh, probably don't have enough time to go on Facebook as often as I should. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm out there. You know? <laughs> People love Over when there. you comment on my stuff. Oh, okay. well, oh they think it's so funny. Cause they're like, <laughs> Oh yes. Yeah, Santa Tom commented again. Oh, uh, well, good. Yeah, at least I don't think I'm being obnoxious. <laughs> I get accused of that a lot sometimes too. Yeah, it, I, it must be I, in the yes, Tom. It must be in the Tom Carroll gene. I think you're right because I, I have a tendency to drift that direction pretty regularly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you joining me. I'm going to start to have more and more Tom Carrolls on this podcast. So you were the awesome. inaugural Tom Carroll to join Tom Talks. Ah, well, I, I am honored. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Santa Tom. Really appreciate you joining me. And have a good holiday. Thank you, sir. You have a know, Merry Christmas yourself. I know it's going to be a busy uh, day and a half for you starting on Saturday. So yeah, get, been, been get, pretty busy to this point. <laughs> get some rest. I know you got a lot of cookies ahead of you to eat. All right, I'm I sorry. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'll stop making Santa Claus puns. They're all no, right. no, no. That's, hey, if, if it bothered me, I wouldn't wear red. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks. Thanks. You too. Have a good one. Football season is finally back. Can you name the guys who were picked ahead of you, Tom? The quarterbacks, Chad Pennington was picked in the first round. Chris Redman was picked in the third round. Giovanni Carmazzi was picked in the third round, I think. T. Martin was picked in the fifth round. Spurgeon Wynn was picked. Um, There was one other guy, small school guy, Mark Bolger. You know what that means. Hola, me llamo Roberto. (laughs) Uh, Si, yo... Yo soy fiesta. <laughs> the Pats are back. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Intercepted. Intercepted to Malcolm Butler. Butler has it at the one. Malcolm Butler stepped in front of the throw. And the Patriots have possession with 20 seconds to go. Tom Talks presents Pats Chat. Unicorns, show ponies. All right, joining me now on the phone is the one and only Butch Stearns from Fox 25 in Boston. And Butch, let's start with Michael Floyd. A lot has unfolded over the past 24 hours on that story. We saw the video of the DUI arrest. We saw the news come down about his blood alcohol content being at a level where he could go to jail for like 50 days or something crazy like that. What's the temperature around the team as it relates to this signing? Honestly, and we're talking about this on a Wednesday here before the Jets game, I think it's like, for two reasons, I think it's not a big deal at all, and here's why. And I'm not trying to downplay it. To be honest with you, Tom, my dad was killed by a drunk driver, so I'm not downplaying. I don't want anybody to think I'm downplaying drink, you know, DUIs and drinking and driving. Absolutely. But it's a it's not a big deal to them for a couple reasons. A, let's think about this. Most of these guys in this locker room don't even know Michael Floyd. As a matter of fact, an anonymous Patriots player said that off the record today. What do you want us to say? He said to me, he said, we really don't even know this guy. So so really, they haven't developed a bond. Logan Ryan works out with him in the offseason, knows him a little bit. Now, here's the other point. The other point is that this team is led by so many guys who've been there, done that. Rob Ninkovich, Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty, on and on and on. Even the the new guys, when you think about it, uh, Malcolm, uh, excuse me, uh, Chris Long and Martellus Bennett 
have been in the league for a long time yet never tasted this. So they're not going to let anything derail what they have going for them. So really, to me, when Michael Floyd comes down to his look, he had a problem before he got here. He's got a clean slate because Bill Belichick is telling us that, that he's coming into this locker room. That's Belichick's problem if he's going to have to deal with it publicly. But he's got to earn his keep here. And so I think this still has a long way to play out. You know, as we're talking about this today, somebody asked me this on Twitter and I responded. They said, do you think he'll play Saturday? I said, I think he's got as good a chance of playing because they want to see what they've got versus as good a chance of getting cut because this story's legs might not be over. So it's a long-winded answer. But I honestly think that they're kind of battle-tested with these type of things, and it's less about Michael Floyd than it is about the Patriots. That's really interesting because Michael Floyd is so talented. What do you think has to happen for him to get cut? Well, I think the heat would have to go on to a point where the Patriots would feel like that he would be becoming a distraction. Now, this is the same organization that dealt with Aaron Hernandez, right? So on the scale of things, I don't think that's going to happen by Saturday. And then from a simple business standpoint, the Patriots owe him a lot of money. They claimed him and they gain one of two things, one of three things. One, they gain that he could be on their roster for the playoffs. And a guy would, like you said, Tom, that talent could be a weapon for Tom Brady on a team that doesn't have Gronk and could be a difference maker to help win a Super Bowl. That's number one. Number two, by paying him the money and keeping it on, they gain a draft pick, a valuable draft pick, that if he walks as a free agent at the end of the year, they get with that. And number three, if he does a mea culpa, really recovers from this, like so many people in their lives, takes one of the worst moments in his life and turns it into something positive going forward, hey, maybe they've got the next Corey Dillon, Rodney Harrison, or Randy Moss on their hands, a guy who for different ways, I'm not saying any of those guys did those type of things, but they did have checkered past and all of a sudden became model citizens in Foxborough. Now they got the Jets this week on Saturday. They got Miami next week. Of those two games, is either one a trap game or are they not even going to have to worry about week 17 by the time it comes by? Well, it's funny you say that. Um, I think they're all trap games when you're in the Patriots position at this point, meaning that most of the games against the opponents are black and white compared to the Patriots, meaning that they either have nothing to play for or they have everything to play for. The Patriots are in a different situation. They'll always have something to pay for until they play for until they clinch the number one seed and home field advantage in the playoffs. But again, their battle, that was the theme in the locker room today. One of the themes about why as the games get bigger and you're, families are asking about Super Bowl and your friends and Patriots fans are talking about going to Houston and home field advantage. Why are you able to focus on the Jets? And they said, it's pretty simple. <laughs> that's the team we're playing this week. <laughs> and that's what we do. And while it, it's cliche and we hear it over and over again, let's be honest, for 15 going on 16 years now, Bill Belichick has been able to do that with his group, which is a different group every year. And those guys are buying in. And again, I keep bringing up Long and Bennett. But they're buying in now, too. They're having the most fun of their lives at the ends of their careers because they're winning and they understand it works. Now, how have those two guys been able to influence the locker room, a locker room that's been intact for years now? How are guys like that able to come in and make an impact? You know, what's interesting, I think, is, again, we're talking about two decades of Belichick here. So sort of the... Um, the group is much bigger than any individual. It's hard to believe that any individual 
whether it's Michael Floyd with his problems or a big personality like Martellus Bennett, not that Bennett was going this route, but that could come in here and, you know, upset the apple cart. We thought about that with Randy Moss, you know, t- 10, nine, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. We thought about that with um, Ocho Cinco, who didn't work out. I mean, two big personalities. What are they going to be like when they come in here? I mean, you either come in here and conform. But, but here's the interesting thing. I'm going to sound hypocritical when I say this. Chris Long and Martellus Bennett are two completely different types of personalities, but they're two players with long histories in this league. They know what it means to be a professional football player. And Martellus Bennett hasn't met a camera that he doesn't like. Long is very thoughtful when he speaks. Belichick allows those guys to be the personalities that they are. They're smart enough and experienced enough not to have anybody else have to tell them what to say. They get it. It's we, not me. It's us. It's, it's about team, and they get that. And then they're like a hook in their mouth, as many veterans have told me over the years, with Belichick, because they understand if you listen to what he tells you, it's going to translate into winning football games, and it does. So those guys have been a huge part of this team, both in the locker room and on the field this year, in my opinion. So let's say the Patriots do end with the number one seed, as I think they're going to. What team in the AFC do they least want to see in the playoffs? So let me revise your question because I've had this conversation with my okay. buddies a lot lately. And I'm going to revise the question to who do I want to see. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you what I want. What's this all about, Tom? This is about revenge, right? For Patriots fans, this is the revenge tour, the Brady revenge tour. So let's get as close to revenge as we can. <laughs> Forget about the easiest opponents. Let's pay Ben Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh in the first game to shut the Steelers up once and for all, right? (laughs) Let's play Oakland and the Raiders fans in the AFC Championship game to shut up the tuck rule people (laughs) who are still out there and the Ben Dreith and roughing the passer on Sugar Bear Hamilton stuff. And then let's play the Giants in the Super Bowl so Brady can finally exercise the ghost that is Eli Manning. How's that for an answer? (laughs) I really like that answer. I was just talking to my friends today. I said, I want the Giants. Give me the Giants. <laughs> well, believe me, those obnoxious Giants fans and any of us Boston people who have New York friends know who we're talking about. That's all they're talking about. <laughs> oh, look at how the Giants are playing. But I hate to say it. I think it's either them or Green Bay from the NFC who emerges. It's I really the, do. It's the teams that get hot at the end that always do. Yeah. But yeah. the Raiders scare me. That's a team that I would be afraid of if they came into New England because they're Why? they're young and – you know, they're, they're playing with nothing to lose, you know? And, yeah, they, they might come in and the spotlight might be too big, but it just feels like they're fearless. Well, I'll buy that. I'll buy your logic. I don't feel the same way, and I'll tell you why in a minute, but I'll buy your logic. Your logic is, like Parcells used to say about rookies, they don't know what they don't know right. yet. And so the Raiders don't might not know enough to be afraid of playing in Foxborough. And, by the way, that's always been the Baltimore Ravens formula for coming in here. Not that they were naive. But they just didn't care about being afraid, and they're never afraid. Matter of fact, if you look at the history of the Patriots and Ravens, what's remarkable is the Ravens play much better in Foxborough. They get their butts kicked in Baltimore when they're home. So the reason I don't fear the Raiders, though, is I just think that battle, to your point about hot teams, I'll add battle-tested teams are the teams in the last five, six, seven years that kind of emerge this time of time. It's how the Giants won a couple of Super Bowls. It's how the Packers won a Super Bowl. And I don't know if the Raiders are playing their best football or the Cowboys right now. And I I say those teams together because to me, I lumped them in the same boat. Storied franchises that when I was a kid, I would use the word fear 
all the time about either one of those organizations, you know, but now they're in a whole different place in their existence. They, they're, they're, they're not battle tested. As a matter of fact, they, they just, you don't know what you're going to get. They don't know what they're going to get out of themselves at this time of year. So I fear the Raiders less than I do the Steelers, the Ravens, and maybe, maybe even the Kansas city chiefs. Cause I think they're a more complete team than anybody out of the West. Interesting. Interesting. Well, one more thing I wanted to touch on before I let you go. The Broncos game from Sunday. After the game, Brady always says the right things. You know, this is just like every other game, blah, blah, blah. But a win in Denver, that had to mean more than probably any other game this season, right? Well, I found it interesting. My my buddy Tom Lydon and I over at Fox 25, we always do a couple of segments dissecting the game on our Sunday night show. And so after the game, I said, what did you think? And he goes, Brady did exactly what he said on Wednesday. And I said, what do you mean? So if you remember on Wednesday, he stepped to the podium and he said, look, among other things, he said, sometimes when things aren't working, you got to try to do things a different way. So I agreed with him. But then I disagreed. And I said, I didn't think he liked it. I didn't think he liked taking a back seat because basically as coach, I heard, I'll give Tony Maserati on 98.5 credit. I heard him say that this week, that basically Belichick, by his actions, told Brady to take a back seat in the Denver game. We're going to run the football. We're going to Devon Miller that defense. And they did that. And hats off to them. But it wasn't pretty. And I'm not about pretty wins, but I am in this regard. I thought they never threatened to go deep. And I thought it was a game where they kind of put the chains on Brady. And by doing that, even though they won, they left Denver, an inferior offense, in the game for a longer period of time than they had to. So, uh, look, a win's a win. I hate saying that and taking that side because I like ugly wins. You know, at this yeah. time of year, a win's a win, and well, it is it, what it, it is. It felt but. like an early 2000s victory win, didn't it? You know, it felt like well, one of those 03, well, 04 era wins. Yes, it absolutely did. And let me answer your question directly. You asked about how much it meant to Brady a mm-hmm. win in Denver. I think it meant a lot. But I think after the game, he was kind of short at that podium because, you know, that we all know he's the ultimate competitor. And it's not a me thing. I don't think it's a me thing, but I think Brady realized that he could have played a lot better in this game. He just looked a little gun shy in that game. And I think it's from those uniforms and all the, you know, it's the only team in his history that he has a losing record against. And by the way, in Denver, he had lost what? Uh, uh, seven out of the nine games that they played. There. Yeah. It's, so. it was not a good record. So when he came out of that, I, I feel like that had to help him out a little bit. And even though it seems like Denver's not going to be a team, that's going to be an issue in the postseason just how things are shaking out right now, that has to be a good one to get have in his back pocket heading into the postseason. Well, I think it was a good one to have in their back pocket for, let's just look at last year. Right. When they when they went into Denver, even though it was a different week, it was week 11, they were 10-0. and 0. They hadn't had a blemish all year. Chris Harper dropped that punt, and they lost a game that they probably should have won. That led to them losing four of their last six games and not getting home field advantage and having to go to Denver for the AFC Championship game. We all know how that worked out. So for simple logic and math or whatever you want to say, that game meant a lot because it's the path to the number one seed now and home field advantage, I think. All right, Butch, 
Really appreciate you joining me, man. And hopefully down the line I'll have you on and we'll we'll talk for like an hour or so, talk about your life, talk about your path, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Unpack my the life, Butch Stearns, you know. My my life's not inter- not worth an hour. It's not that interesting. <laughs> All right, maybe forty five minutes. Okay. Uh, thirty five. <laughs> we'll settle on that. <laughs> All right, Butch. Thanks, man. All right, Tom. Take care. All right, that's gonna do it for Tom Talks this week. Big thanks to Santa Tom. Big thanks to Butch Stearns for joining me. Song of the week is going to be Linus and Lucy from Charlie Brown Christmas. We always have Charlie Brown Christmas on in the background at the Carol home when we're opening gifts or sitting by the fire. We're all around the tree. So why not have it as the song of the week with Christmas on the horizon? Thanks for listening, guys. Have a happy holidays. (laughs) 